Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. You'll, you'll notice, uh, and, and tonight you'll see it twice, where there was no king in Israel because the monarchy really hadn't begun. David hadn't been on the throne, or I'm sorry, Saul um, hadn't been king yet. So this is um, time before this. So the, the time of Judges was a time of decline. It was a time of failure. everyone, and welcome to Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series on chapters 17 and 18 of the book of Judges. Judges 17 and 18 present a detailed example of spiritual confusion and sin in Israel during the days of the Judges. These two chapters show us just how bad things were. God shows us several different examples on the general spiritual state of Israel during this period. The sin of idolatry seems to separate God's people from Him. However, we know that God never gives up on us, even when we walk away from Him. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he begins our study. All right, let's open our Bibles to Judges. Judges chapter 17 and 18 this evening. If I had to title this evening's service, it would be, You Reap What You Sow, or a phrase that I remember my mother telling me when I was young, What Goes Around Comes Around. And um, as we look at Judges 17 through the very final chapter, chapter 21, we're going to find that this is really like an epilogue to the book of Judges. It's really like an appendix, if you will, because we've already gone through the seven different periods of time. Uh, they're, they're, they're characterized in the book of Judges, seven different periods. And last time we got together, a week, week before last, was Samson. And so that is the last... Uh, period of the judges. And what we have here from chapter 17 to the end is really an epilogue. And these chapters that we're going to be reading aren't necessarily in chronological order. In fact, um, the couple of chapters that we're going to be looking at tonight, 17 and 18, probably go somewhere toward the beginning of, uh, somewhere in the beginning of the time of the judges. And there's good reason to uh, believe that as we go and we'll get into that. So, we're going to be looking mostly at the tribe of Dan this evening. And, and Dan was one of those tribes that was entrenched in idolatry and a major player in the downfall of Israel. Because it wasn't just the tribe, because the tribe ultimately uh, uh, went up north, as we'll see, 
and uh, influenced the whole northern ten tribes. And as a result of that influence, they influenced the southern two tribes. And we know the result of, those, of that idolatry and disobedience. And those were two captivities that each of those different uh, kingdoms, in a will. The, the northern kingdom went into captivity in 722 B.C. by the, uh, the Assyrians. And the southern two tribes went into captivity in around 606 B.C. by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. And it was all because of idolatry. They, they, their, their lives, they, just, they weren't submitted to God. And as we looked at Samson's life, we saw a man who uh, through, had some semblance of pure... He, had some, he was going through the motions, you know, having seven locks of hair. We know seven is a significant number in the Bible. And, you know, had a Nazarite vow on his life. And so he had a, a semblance of godliness, but he was certainly denying the power of God that God wanted to use this man's life. And as we get into what we're reading now, this is really just more of the, the general feel of this time. In fact, all throughout the book of Judges, you'll, you'll notice, uh, and, and tonight you'll see it twice, where there was no king in Israel because the monarchy really hadn't begun. David hadn't been on the throne, or I'm sorry, Saul um, hadn't been king yet. So this is um, time before this. So the, the time of Judges was a time of decline. It was a time of failure when the children of Israel should have been thriving and enjoying this new land that God had brought them into. Instead of enjoying it and really uh, following the Lord and walking with him, the opposite rather happened. They were supposed to go into those lands and remove all of the enemies in those lands, those idolaters that God had told them to go in and wipe everything out. And many, And they all refused to do the job 100%. And as a result, they were remnants of old pagan cultures, and those cultures began to rub off. Isn't that true? Why is it? You know, did you ever wonder? Why is it that godliness isn't the thing that rubs off? It's, it seems to be more often than not, it's, it's, the, it's the bad attitude. It's the wrong thing that um, when a believer is in that environment for any length of time, instead of being a an agent for good on that evil culture, sometimes it can be just the opposite, where the evil culture starts to wear away like water on sandstone on the believer, and then the believer just kind of gets assimilated into an evil culture. And so that's exactly what happened to Israel as a whole. And it's interesting, there is a... um, an interesting verse in Genesis chapter 49, it was when Jacob, you remember, in his last moments as he was blessing his 12 sons, he said this about the tribe of Dan. He says, Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent by the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heel so that its rider shall fall backward. I have waited for your salvation, O Lord. And it's interesting, it's a very ominous sort of um, uh, prophecy to prophesy over the tribe of Dan, but we'll see tonight, and we're going to hopefully develop this as the night goes on, just how this beginning of idolatry, what it really did. And we're going to look at some very specific uh, hallmarks or or, or, um, milestones along the life of not only Dan, the tribe of Dan, but the tribe of of Israel as a whole. And we're going to see how what we're seeing tonight and what we'll read about will be the precursor to something that's even more, it just got worse and worse and worse and ultimately led both uh, kingdoms, the northern and the southern kingdom, into captivity. 
So, you know, even though these, uh, all the tribes were guilty of immorality and idolatry, the tribe of Dan seems to be the leader of the pack and ultimately, again, was instrumental in causing the northern and the southern tribes to fail. They were perhaps the spark that consumed the entire forest. And what I'd like to show to you is just a, a high-level summary of the idolatry of Dan, and also um, we'll see this in the northern uh, ten tribes. Tonight we'll see Micah's idolatry in Ephraim. We'll also see the Danites stealing the graven image and, and the Levite from Micah's home. We'll see the Danites then going back and, and dis, or going and destroying a city up in the northern part of Israel called Leshem, which is today called Tel Dan or Dan. And then we're going to see later on in time the results of these things. And it really goes into the time during Jeroboam's reign after the kingdom had split in two after Solomon's death. We know that Jeroboam, who himself was an Ephraimite, which I think is very interesting compared to what we're looking at tonight, he was guilty of idolatry and set up two centers of worship, one in Dan and one in Bethel. And also, we're going to see how this ultimately leads to Israel's captivity by the Assyrians. So, you, you do reap what you sow. You know, as, as we looked at in the, this, uh, this, this title of the message tonight, what goes around comes around, and you do. You reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 8, it says, He who sows iniquity will reap sorrow. And the rod of his anger will fail. In Galatians chapter 6, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And you recall in 1 Kings chapter 18, there was a time when uh, Elijah was going up against the prophets of Baal, and they were having a contest of who's really God, and the God that uh, responded by fire would be the one that they would serve. And notice what Elijah um, said. He came and he, to all the people, and he said, How long, and he's speaking to the Israelites as well as the prophets of Baal, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, if Baal is God, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. Not a word. Finally, in Joshua, actually we're almost there. In Joshua 24, you remember what Joshua said, speaking to the children of Israel before his death. He said, now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. And in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. And he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so this, these are great exhortations to a group of people and not, at this time that we're referring to now in the time of the judges. But I've got to be honest, as I read these scriptures, I, it, it dings me right in the heart because I think of America. And I think of all these scriptures apply to us. 
There are so many idols in our lives. And they're not idols, that they're not teraphim. They're not things that are sculpted with a sculpting tool. They're not made of metal necessarily. But there are things that we hold near and dear to our heart. And we'll do anything to keep them. And we'll do anything to secure them. In Proverbs chapter 14, it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but, the, but its end is the way of death. And we're going to see that tonight as the tribe of Dan, the the, the natural man, he has his thoughts and he goes on his way. And without consulting the Lord, it is a disaster. It is always a disaster when we do not consult the Lord. When you follow your feelings, when you follow what seems right, usually it ends in disaster. You can never trust your feelings too much. God has given us feelings and he's given us uh, intuition. He's given us this, this other sense to kind of feel something that might not be right or might be good. We must be careful in times like that because the devil and our flesh know how to use that. Our flesh is working against us because the devil uses that flesh, that old nature. He uses it to pound you over the head time and time again, but we must not let him have precedence in our life. Amen? So we must be careful. And, you know, even for the believer, we know that there are consequences. You know, the, the tribe of Dan, I really wouldn't call them believers. But they, they, they were certainly the children of God, as far as uh, God was concerned. He loved them. But they went their own way. And they brought a snare on the entire country. But we know even as believers today, here in America, in 2020, there are consequences for sin and rebellion. There must be. If God is a God of love, that means he also has to punish sin. He has to punish wrongdoing. He has to punish rebellion. Because that's what a good father does. Any good father, any good mother, when it sees its child doing something wrong, going the wrong way, it behooves the parent to stop them in their tracks and say, Honey, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Stop and think about what you're doing. No, I'm going to do it anyway. And then you say, Honey, stop and think about what you're doing. Have you ever had those times with your parents? (laughs) I have. I've been so stubborn. No, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it my way. And my mom was wise enough to say, Okay. See ya. <laughs> and I'd go and I'd make a mess. And I'd come back and I'd say, Mom, you are so right. And if she's watching tonight, she'll be going, Amen to that. Made a mess of your life. Tried to tell you what to do. And you didn't do it. And you reap what you sow. So the tribe of Dan is no different. Nations, individuals, it's all the same to the Lord. He gives nations much more time to repent. Nationwide he does. But individuals, sometimes, sometimes not so much. Because we don't have that much time. We have 70 or 80 years. But nations can live on for hundreds of years. I love what happened in Genesis uh, 15, where God gave the, he kept the Israelites in Egypt for 430 years. And why? He said, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. In other words, he was giving in the land of Canaan that the Israelites were going to go into those people groups, those seven nations that God had specified. God says, I'm giving them more time to repent. He's already given them hundreds of years to repent. He says, I'm going to give them a little more time. But there is a time when the hammer falls. And God knows when that time is. We don't have that 
luxury of knowing when judgment is going to fall or when the chastening hand of God is going to come down and even chasten his child. He did that with David, didn't he? After David and Bathsheba, he got away with it seemingly for about a year. And during that year, David was just tore up. But his sin had a consequence. And God gave him a year to turn from it, to repent of it, to confess it. And David, he says, my, it's like my, my insides were like dry, dried up. My tongue and my mouth was dried up like a potsherd. All my moisture, I just felt like I was just drying up, shriveling up. A washed up man of God. And that's the way he felt until Nathan busted him. Remember that? And he says, David, you're the man. And David finally came clean. And what a glorious thing. But there is consequence. Let's get into Mike, uh, or get into Judges chapter 17. It says, Now there was a man from the mountains of Ephraim whose name was Micah. Now Micah is a name that means who is like Jehovah. And what an interesting thing, because as we see this man Micah, he was actually nothing like Jehovah. He had the name who was like Jehovah, but he certainly wasn't living like Jehovah. And the mountains of Ephraim are right around here, because right here is the Jordan River, and right to the west side of the Jordan River is a mountain range here. And so those mountains, uh, somewhere in this area was where he lived. And so, verse 2, it says, And he said to his mother, notice, The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you, and on which you put a curse, even saying it in my ears, Here is the silver with me. I took it. (laughs) And his mother said, May you be blessed by the Lord. Jehovah, she says. Isn't it kind of funny? As we get get in here, you're going to find the hypocrisy in all of this. Talking about Jehovah. Oh, blessed be the Lord, my son. Blessed be the Jehovah by you, my son. And, And yet, you'll see very quickly what is wrong here. 1,100 shekels of silver is a great significant amount of money. It's several thousands of dollars. This is huge, huge money. So, verse 3, when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver, what a nice son stealing from his mother. So when he had returned the 1,100 shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I had wholly dedicated the silver from my hand to the Lord for my son to make a carved image and a molded image. Wow, thanks, Mom. Now, therefore, I I will return it to you. And you know, when you look at this, some things never change, do they? You know, when you read this and you see a son stealing this 1,100 shekels of silver from, a, from his mother, things haven't really changed, have they? Time and time again, I hear from parents whose children are hooked on drugs or they're involved in something. It could be gambling. They could have gotten in a, in a jam and, and they steal from their parents. They steal from the mother and their father. You can't have anything loose in the house with a drug addict in your house. I knew a man who had a son who was a drug addict. The guy had to hide his checkbook. He had to hide everything of value in the house because if he didn't, it would end up at the pawn shop. And his son would sell it for money for drugs. And I've heard this over and over and over and over again. It's even happened in my own family. To see this kind of stuff. And all of you know too because it's happened to you, perhaps. Or you know somebody who did. So there's already what a mixed up time this is. Mixed with idolatry. Stealing. So, verse 4, he returned the silver to his mother, and his mother took 200 shekels of silver. Now, this 200 shekels of silver would amount to, again, several thousands of dollars. It would be uh, about a fifth or uh, a twentieth, 20 percentish of that total 1,100 shekels. 
And she gives it to a silversmith, and he made it into a carved image and a molded image. And, excuse me, they were in the house of Micah. In the house of Micah. And we know that these kinds of things were very against the law of God. In fact, in Exodus, what does it say? The Ten Commandments. You shall serve no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and the fourth generation, notice, of those that hate me, but showing mercy to thousands, to those who love me and keep my commandments. I love that. God doesn't visit the iniquity of the fathers upon the sons to the fourth and the fifth generation, only to those who continue hating him and continue doing wrong. God will continue to bring judgment. God will continue to be heavy-handed on those. And notice this idolatry. It's a result of not dealing with it to begin with. Sin starts small, doesn't it? But it gets larger and larger and larger. And a little leaven leavens the whole lump. All it takes is just a little leaven, ladies, and you can put it in your bread. You can stick it in your warm oven and put a towel over it and come back in two hours, and the thing has got a big bump on it, and hope that your towel doesn't stick to it. Right? A little leaven leavens. It it, it always gets worse. And the Danites that we're going to talk about tonight and the Ephraimites, Because they didn't completely drive out the enemy, the Canaanites, their idolatrous practices rubbed off on them. There's always a consequence. Always a consequence. And this can happen to us as well. I remember when I was in college, there was a a man, a young guy in the guitar department at Eastman School of Music. And we were both going to grad school. And he was a really wonderful guitar player, very talented, much better than I was and he was an unbeliever, and he had, and I, I hate to say this, but, it, but it's so true, and it fits what we're talking about. He had more of an influence on me. He was a very materialistic t- kind of guy, and that materialism rubbed off on me, and I was the one that's supposed to be influencing him, not the other way around, but funny how that happens, isn't it? Even as a believer, when we take company with people who are involved in certain things, they make it look so cool. They make it look so right. It, it feels so good. It feels so right. But it can be deadly. And there came a point where the Lord told me I had to stop hanging out with him. He literally spoke to me and just says, you need to stop hanging out with him because you're not doing him any good. He's actually having a, a, a more of an effect on you. But notice in verse 5, so the man Micah, notice he had a shrine. Does this sound like something that a man should have? An Ephraimite at the, at the least? He's got a shrine? And he made an ephod and household idols? These idols are teraphim where they would sculpt these little images, sculpt out of wood or out of metal, little images in the shape of people or in the shape of some kind of idol, some kind of deity of the land. And they would bow down and worship these things, which we know wasn't good. So we shouldn't have made a shrine in, in, in a place of worship because the place of worship at that time was where? It was in Shiloh, right? Back in Joshua chapter 18, when they came out of the out of the desert wanderings as they were coming into the promised land. In Joshua 18, they set up the tabernacle, and it was there until David brought it, the ark into Jerusalem and, and, the, and the tabernacle. And he made a new tabernacle 
for it. But the, the place of worship was in Shiloh, and it was in the land or in the tribe of Ephraim. It wasn't probably that far away from them. But yet, they wanted something new. They wanted something new. And on top of that, this man made his son, who was also an Ephraimite, gave him a, uh, made him a priest. And the priests weren't supposed to be Ephraimites. They were supposed to be Levites. And only a specific family of the Levites. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.